So it's a mystery, but it can be known. And we need to know the mystery, right? The mystery must be revealed because we're called to live a life in the Spirit. It says sons of God are what? Led by the Spirit of God. So how can you be led by the Spirit of God if you don't know the Spirit of God? But the Spirit of God is not to be with you now. The Spirit of God is to be... Right. So when Jesus walked with his disciples, was the Spirit with them or in them? With them. Which is awesome, right? Because the Holy Spirit has always been present. Holy Spirit was with the three, two at the beginning. The Holy Spirit was hovering. What was he hovering for? Say that again. Waiting for the word to be... It was like at a game, right? Go on, Father. Speak the word. I'm waiting to bring the word into life. I'm waiting to play my part. So when you speak... I'm hovering, and when you speak the created word, the Holy Spirit's going to come and take that word, and we're going to go boom, and there's going to be life. Because what you see was made from where? The visible or the invisible? So out of an invisible realm came what we know as earth. But it was not made from here, it was made from an invisible realm, and God spoke the word because it was always created before it was, but it was just created where? In him, which is the unseen to the natural. So then all of a sudden, what's in the unseen comes forth into the seen through the spoken word of God. That's why the spoken word is not Hebrew or Greek. It's spirit. The word of God is a person. So if you want to know the word of God, you don't study Hebrew and Greek. Who do you get to know? The word himself. But you need the Spirit to know the Word Himself because the Word is Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. And the three are one. So you cannot separate the three from the one, right? But we do. Got a great relationship with the Father, but I'm working on my relationship with Jesus. What? You've seen the Father, you've seen Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit. If you know the Holy Spirit, you know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you know the Father. Because aren't they all God? wrapped up in one package. So how can you separate them out? But we do. It's interesting, eh? How long have I been with you? <laughs> Show us the Father. How long have I been with you? And you do not know the Father. But the Father stands right in front of you. And you don't know the Father, but I'm right here in front of you. Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I'm the exact representation of the Father, am I not? Show us the Father. Oh, how long are we playing this game for? <laughs> what didn't he have? The Spirit in him. To teach him. But the Spirit was with him. But he wasn't in him. So the Spirit needs to go outside into you for you to hear and know what we're talking about. You'll never know what I'm talking about if I'm speaking from revelation unless you have the spirit in you which connects with what I'm saying. Because I'm not speaking English. I'm talking a spiritual language that I'm hoping your spirit hears. Hey church, hear what the spirit is saying to the church. And I'm not talking about tongues. 
I'm talking about the word of God, which is spiritual, which was spoken at the beginning of time and all of creation has come into being. Now, who are you? Oh, you're my creation. So when you were born, what seed were you of? Your mother and father, which is ultimately tracked back back to the seed of who? And that's a fallen seed. So God speaks. How was Jesus conceived? By the... Through a spoken word. You will be pregnant. Boom, boom, boom. Holy Spirit ignites right there's Jesus Christ. What about creation? How was creation conceived? Spirit, right? But you were not conceived by that spirit. You were conceived by the spirit of Adam, which is a fallen spirit. So you're outside of design. There's two over there and you're over here, correct? So creation was conceived by the word of God, Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the word of Holy Spirit, but you weren't. You were conceived from the seed of Adam and that's a fallen seed. So you're over here. But you need to be over there with the three of them. So how do you go from there to there? Not you, right? Because you didn't even get here by your own accord. You were born here and born into this thing. So how do you get yourself out of something you didn't get yourself in? Are you tracking? You can't. But we've said you can. But you can't, right? If you didn't get yourself in this mess, you can't get out of this mess. Colossians 1.13 says what? Jesus came and... rescued you out of the kingdom of so the SAS turned up this man turned up all kitted out with his men out of the chopper right because you're in Afghanistan and you're stuck and the Taliban have got you you're blindfolded you're wrapped up right you've been there for three weeks and someone has to send the special forces in because you can't get out of this jam because they've got you. You don't even know where you are. How can you get rescued? No, someone has to send someone. Someone has to send someone. He has to give up his entire life because he's a sent one for who? You to get you out of bondage. What a cool story, eh, Stu? <laughs> it's Stu Darling's coming to get us, boys. Here he comes. Hear the analogy? A special, trained, equipped team of men had to enter behind enemy territory who are highly trained. Did we look at that last night? Highly trained to become, enter into enemy territory where there is turmoil, gunfire, risking their very lives, laying their lives down for a brother they're one with sounds like us supposed to be us you'll know them by the way they what a beautiful analogy this is right men laying their lives down for a brother who's caught and in darkness to see them released that's what he's done but i cannot release me so the special ops team the best in the world, the British forces, <laughs> come in, free me, and we go out together. All done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, live. 
Love. You're free. You're on British soil. Love. Bit of thankfulness to the boys. Or just, gee, sweet, what, what was that about? Oh, well. Or are you forever grateful for the men that risked their life for you? Are you forever eternally grateful for the one who has taken you out of darkness and brought you into light and then blows on you, breathes on you, and breathes his spirit into you? That's a whole different ball game. Putting some money in a bucket, singing some songs, being part of a group in the midweek, and then living life as normal. Receive what I'm talking about, go on a Sunday, sing the songs, be part of a group, serve your living socks off, and see the glory of Jesus fall in and through you. Which one's which? It's never the external expression that's wrong, it's the internal. So the disciples, John 14, 16 to 20, let's read it together. John 14, verse 16. I love the NASB. I read the NASB. I just love, I love, I love this. And I was led to this version. It says, the role of the Spirit. I will ask the Father, who's I? Right. Jesus will ask the Father, and the Father, he, will give you another helper. Holy Spirit's given many names, right? Helper, teacher, comforter. Do you know why he comforts you? Because he's going to mess you up. And then when he messes you up, he brings his comfort because he's going to turn your entire world upside down. So you're going to need some comfort when I turn your whole world. It's not just about when things aren't going well. Comfort me. It's like I'm going to mess your entire world up. So I give you the comforter. Others? What does that mean in English? Cool. Counsel truth. He's the spirit of truth, right? So we want to separate it out, don't we? Spirit and truth, but all of a sudden you're like the spirit of truth. Which one is it? It's both. What do you mean it's both? It's the spirit and truth. It's the spirit of truth. And you bring them together, you've got the one truth. And it's the one truth that makes you free, not two truths. Even though that's true and that's true. All right? See, what happens is, and I was talking this with Paul, is when you live in one truth, you create a lopsided gospel. So you lean like this. But if you have this side of truth, you lean like that. And what you need is both truths, which are both true on their own, but they're not the full truth. And when you bring them both together, now you walk in the truth and you're upright. And that's a big problem with the church. That's how we've got all these different doctrines of belief, because we take one truth and we run away and we make a whole gospel with it. But we're running lopsided. It's like with the giftings, right? The giftings, the five giftings, are not to be running on their own. Because five make up who? And Jesus is not five, he's one. So if you have an apostolic gift on your life, that is to be in submission to a prophet, teacher, pastor, evangelist. If you have an evangelistical gift on your life, that is to be in submission to an apostle, prophet, and the others, right? 
the five gifts are Jesus broken into five parts so that you get the whole. So when the whole come together and start walking together, you get Jesus. Because you cannot walk this out on your own. But why do we have the school of the prophets? All the prophets hang out together. Why do we have the school of the evangelists and all the evangelists? And you know, very few of them are where? In a local body. They're all doing their own thing. And you fly them in. And then they fly out. And they leave chaos most of the time. And they go, you can clean up the mess. Oh, sorry, Bill. No worries. And the evangelists, well, they hate the church. <laughs> ah, no one loves Jesus here. And they all sound angry, right? So you have these individual people running in these individual lanes. And Jesus is going, man, come on, boys. I gave you all my grace and so you could be one, so you could run together as one and in the discipleship process work out this together. I'm slightly dissecting. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to share this. So with someone who has a grace on their life, I should not be an island unto myself. The problem is you want to run with men of the spirit, not men of the flesh with a gift on their life. Because you can have a gift on your life but you're all about the flesh because it's not the spirit that's defining the gift. It's you. That's how you get this individualistic ministries. I'm not against them, but are you part of a local body? I personally believe God has given everything for life and godliness when he gave the gifts. And what I personally believe is we've got all these different gifts out there on their own. And what we should do is bring them all together in Wellington. We'd probably have four really powerful, strong churches, but we don't. We've got 4,000 individuals. Because we're not in design. Because without the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be in design. You're going to make it up and you'll make up your own story. So here are these men walking with him physically and the Holy Spirit is with them and Jesus is going to say, but he will be in you. But he's not right now, but he's going to be. All right? I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper that he may be with you for ever. I'm going to be with you for which means he's with you in the crap, he's with you in the good, he's with you wherever you are because he's going to be within you. So call on him or you if he's your helper. Right? That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. How do you get to know someone you can't see? How do you get to know what's in Jesus if you don't know Jesus? How do you get to know the future inheritance if you can't see the spiritual kingdom that's right in front of you, the one Jesus brought and said, my kingdom's come with me. It is at hand, so take my hand, because it is not far away from you hiding up there somewhere. I brought it with me. But unless you're born of the spirit, you'll never be able to see what's right in front of you. So which means you won't be able to see me. So when I say to you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you're going to say to me, show me the Father. And I'm going to go, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you're going to go, show me the Father. And I'm going to go, hey, knucklehead, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, how long are we going to play this game for? So unless you have the Spirit, we're going to be in this dialogue till the day you die. 
You'll be banging your head against a brick wall, wondering why you can't enter into what it is. Because you're trying to enter in through not spirit self. And self has no capacity to enter into the things of the spirit. That's why you need the spirit, just like Peter. Outside of the revelation that the father gave him, he couldn't enter in within, even though he was doing what externally? Healing the sick. Because you can heal the sick if the Holy Spirit is outside of you but with you. You can cast out demons because he's outside of you but he's not in you. And you can even walk on water. Wow! All under the authority of the one who spoke. But what you can't do is deny yourself. But you'll say you can. You see, you can't deny you when he asks you not to deny him. When he asks for your life, you're going to go, I'll lay my life down. And they all said the same, all the merry men. Big, bold, brass, ballsy. Oh, really? You can't even keep watch for one hour and pray. In my darkest moment. But you can get up there when it's on and you're going to lay your life down? Yeah. Okay. Then pick up your sword and let's go into the garden. Because you're going to need that. I'm going to show you how wrong you're going to get this with that sword. Jesus told him to bring the sword. What did he do with the sword? Why is it that he had no capacity to do the thing he was asked to do, which was pray and keep watch, but he had all the capacity to do the thing he was not asked to do, and all of a sudden now he's awake because the fight's on, right, Steve? You see, the real fight's in the spirit through prayer. But he's got no capacity for that because he's a man of war and action. So that's boring. Can't even... How many times? Okay. The guy you say you love and the guy you say you follow is about to go through his death. He's about to make a decision in the garden, which is actually for all your benefit, right? And he's going, Father, if there's no other way, but your will be done. Calvary was not the point. The decision in the garden was the point. Victory was made in the garden. That was an outcome of a decision. It's won or lost in the garden. It wasn't won or lost at Calvary. Can you hear what I'm saying? If he doesn't make a decision here, there's no Calvary. But he was always going to make the decision, so there was always going to be a Calvary. When you make the choice, the victory is won in the choice. Well, I can. Okay, we're going to see if this is going to outwork. Whoa. And then he's got all this energy. I've been waiting for this. Right, because I'm in the fight. Anybody watch The Chosen? I think they do Peter beautifully as to how he was, right? All this energy, all this capacity to do the very thing he was not asked to do. Because although he'd walked on water... And although he preached the message, and although he cast out them, and although he healed the sick, he couldn't do what he said he was going to do, which was actually couldn't deny himself. And he ended up then denying Jesus because they were asking for his life. I don't. Weren't you there? Weren't you with him? I don't deny. I don't know him. Oh, oh, shoot, there it is three times. Because he had all this, but he had not here. 
See, this is a transition point. For three and a half years, they walked with Jesus and the Spirit was with them, but the Spirit was not in them. So he had to bring them to this transition point, which we call the cross, but I call it Christ. Because there's a difference between receiving Jesus Christ in you and saying yes to the message of what he did. Should I say that again? There is a difference between receiving the one on the cross and him doing what he does in you, bringing him into that resurrected state through a crucifixion. And it's another thing to say yes to what he did on the cross, but be void of the reality of it. So he's crucified for you, but you need to get crucified with him. Paul said, I've been crucified with him, but Paul never got on a cross. So how do you get crucified? You get crucified because Paul said, nobody taught me this gospel and I did not receive it from man. I received it through a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. So no one came to me and told about a dude that died on a cross. He said, I received the guy on the cross. What did you receive? So now we're back to the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you received the Holy Spirit? Because you have to receive it, right? Have you received this phone yet? Have you received it now? Yes. How do you know if you've received it now? Holding You're holding it. Right? Have you received this $5 yet? I'm a Scotsman, careful. <laughs> That's why I'm giving it to you. <laughs> Trying to sow a seed. Have you received it now? I have You can have it. It ain't this mystery that's like, I don't know if I do. If I don't. No, you do. Because just like in the natural, those guys hadn't received it. Now they receive it. Now they know. Let's keep reading. I will not leave you as orphans. What a cool statement that is. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me because you will, sorry, will no longer see me, but you will see me because you, because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. In that day, what day? In the day you receive the Spirit, you're going to know something about oneness. How? Because you're going to receive the Spirit and you're going to know. It will no longer be a mystery to you. You will know. Do you know how powerful true knowledge is? Without it, the church is destroyed. You walk around uninhibited, right? Creating and making up your own life. But knowledge brings you into the truth. I'm not talking about, into, I'm talking about the true gnosko, the true revealed knowledge through the Holy Spirit who he gives you because that's what he's been commissioned to do to lead you into the fullness of truth who is a person so the person leads you into the person the spirit of truth leads you to the one who said I am the truth you cannot separate them out this is the greatest mystery isn't it is it three is it one well you'll never know you've got to get that revealed it's one but inside the one, there's the dimension of three, but they're one. Just like the five gifts in the one. So here's a promise for us. They walked for three and a half years and the Holy Spirit was outside of them. He said, I must go. Why? 
that you might receive. So if I don't go, you don't get, which means the promise will never be fulfilled. And I'm not a liar and I promise it so it's going to be. So unless I go, you can never have the Holy Spirit. So I must go for the Holy Spirit to come, right? <sighs> cool. Was John the Baptist filled by the Holy Spirit before he was born? Was Jesus still on the planet? What about Elizabeth? Under inspiration of Holy Spirit. Well, so, you, so you go, so he hasn't gone, but the Spirit's come. Is he a liar? No. Did it happen? Yeah. So you got this and you got this. And they're both true. It's one truth. You know what that teaches me? Don't put God in a box. And what it also teaches me, on the other hand, it's written. Isn't that what the devil said? Oh, but it's written. You should not, throw, if you throw yourself off, blah, 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 the angels are protecting you, but it's, on the other hand, it's also written. You've got to have two hands, which are actually one hand. So how do you know if you've actually received the Holy Spirit? Come with me to John 20. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now he'd come back, right? So he died, he'd rose again. And he's come back and he's saying receive he said he breathed on him it's the same word used in genesis 2 7 where he breathed life into adam have you received the breath of life now you know you have right because it wasn't there now it's there And I want to just ask, can you just share, bro, just, just your experience, right, of receiving the Holy Spirit? Um, so, the 8th of the 9th, 1996, I had zero reference of Holy Spirit. Well, I knew of Jesus, but um, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. So I wasn't raised in the church or anything. <coughs> um, very interesting group that you're talking about um, that special office example because that whole reality is happening through a life wow. it's amazing and um, so the 8th of the 9th 96, zero reference totally messed up um, uh, abusive and um, bad person um, the 9th of the 9th 96 like our Greg says he, he can remember it like it was yesterday I relate to that for my 96, 11, 30 at night. I'm done with living. I got a I grabbed a rope, I'm walking out to my garage to take my life. 100%. There was no, this is not, it wasn't a decision that was made on that night. It was a, a building up thing of bad events and all that. 
got to remember that zero reference to the Holy Spirit is nothing. <clears throat> um, my my wife now, who was who was a broken relationship then, um, had taken off and all of stuff happened. <coughs> Her father, who was a man of God, sold out for God. I thought he was a weirdo, you know. And um, but um, he didn't really like me because uh, I he raised his daughter in church and. I come into her life and took her away from the things of God and all that sort of stuff. So he had a, an opinion about me as well. But on my, over a few events, I'm done with living. I grab a rope and I'm out to my garage. I'm living by myself. I walk out to the garage to, to string myself up and do it. And I, walk, and I, I say it for not, not a thing to try and make the story sound cool, but it was real. Mm-hmm. I was going to take my life. I, I made up my mind. And um, on my way up to the garage at 11.30 at night, I had no talking with my father. We, didn't, we never talked. I had a knock at the door at 11.30. Pull the door open to my father. And, what? What are you doing here? You know? We don't talk. And I was, I was thinking of this scenario mm-hmm. we talked about. God sent in special ops to go into battle that hearing from God. He turns up to my doorstep, 1130 at night, and um, um, asked if he could borrow, or take back, because we had borrowed some stuff of his, and he wanted it back, he knew his daughter had taken off, and, and then um, I, uh, I asked for it back, and I said, yeah, there's a, he was, it was actually a pot, a big boiler pot, <laughs> he asked for it back, and uh, I said, it's in the kitchen, come in, help yourself, I was just standing there looking at him, and then I knew what I was doing was going nowhere, and, and down obviously and uh, depressed and um, I asked him while he was underneath the sink and I said, I don't know why I said it, just come out of, you know, I was being weird obviously and and, and I, I said to him, well your God help me and I said it and I was a proud fellow, I didn't want to talk about God or any of that stuff and he, he couldn't believe what had happened so he turned around. Long story short, he eventually led me to Christ in the house that night. But um, <coughs> that night, he led me through the prayer, which we all know, you know, about recognizing where you're at and the need for Christ. And he was taking me through that prayer. I guess he was pretty blown away till he was leading me to, to Christ. And um, um, the words weren't just a prayer. They were deeply, in, when, when I repeated the words he said, those words I meant um, 100%. Yeah. More than that. Yeah. It was like, I owned those words. Yeah. And then um, we got to the end of the prayer. So I was, I was taking on this prayer and he said, In Jesus' name. I said, In Jesus' name, he said, Amen. And then this is the part I really, which really hits the heart, obviously. I said, Amen. And then something happened. Boom. Beautiful man. Hallelujah. And um, <clears throat> that night I had an encounter.
didn't think I found Christ. I didn't feel like I found Christ. I knew. Just in that moment, boom, something hit me and it went through my body. Zero reference. One night, and then all of a sudden, I knew Christ was there. And um, I just, my reaction to it was weird because I just yelled. <laughs> in this, in, in the, the worst street in Kotaipa, I was driving. <laughs> and here I am. I wasn't in a church. I wasn't led by a pastor like, to the front, and now I've got these some people here. I'm not begging that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because of my heart, I fully let go of myself and, and allowed, um, um, allowed Christ to. Mm. I had this huge encounter, it was like a steamroll just rolled over me. Mm. And I just felt this huge weight, like serious. Because I've been for two weeks, I've lost this weight, I was just, I was, I was spiraling. Yeah. And, um, I then had a true encounter with the Lord. And um, 25 years on, um, I've never walked away from that thing mm. because I still, that reference point now, I always go back to that. Yeah. You know, it's clear. It's, it's not yeah. like, like you say. That's why I relate to you all the time because I know that feeling you're talking about. Mm. It was a true broken moment. It's like God just came to me. Boom! Just I shattered. And it's like God's. And even tonight when we were worshiping, it's like God was showing me, son, I want to do open heart surgery on you. But you got to be willing to get on the table. And I think for a lot of us, we we want a new heart, a new life, this new reality, but. Still not willing to be on the table and let him go to work on us. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah. So that's beautiful. Beautiful. <clears throat> now, what I'm, or what we're not saying is that if you haven't had that, you haven't necessarily received the Spirit, right? Because I believe it can be as subtle as that big, but you do need to know there's been that big of a change right and i think one of the greatest analogies in the natural you know jesus said the kingdom is like but it's not right so when he says the kingdom is like a merchant it's it's not but it's like it so what i'm about to share with you it's like it but it's not it right so when a baby is born okay before it's born it's feeding from the inside right when it comes out, it instantly knows and it's hungering for something new. Right? How does it know that? How does the baby know it needs milk? It's been feeding from inside its mum, connected to the tube. It comes out, it's born, and it's instantly looking for new food. And it knows exactly what to do. Because it's born, out, living, knowing, where's the new food source? When me and Danny went to the classes, we had to learn how to breastfeed. The baby wasn't there learning how to suckle. The baby knows how to suckle. It was us that needed to learn how you get this thing going, right? Because that's called design. So when you're born of the Spirit, you know it because you're looking for new food. Doesn't matter if it's as powerful as that, 
You know because you know because you know because something is now there that wasn't there. Has anyone had that type of reality where it's not necessarily as big as that, but it is real as that, and then that little has grown over time where you go, yeah, I know the day I was born again because I received the Spirit because God breathed life into a dead bone. So he breathed life into what? Dirt. That's what our body's made of, right? But we have a spirit. And this is the whole process, right? Made up of spirit, soul, and body. You are one person but made up of three parts, correct? And your soul is then your mind, will, and emotion. So we're talking about here, right? We're talking about you're a spirit because you're made in the image of God, but you're a fallen spirit. Yep. And you need a brand new spirit to go from this side to this side. So can anyone give testimony of not as powerful as that, but having what I just described as far as tasting something, a new taste? Yeah. yeah. I remember... <laughs> they got you on the food, Chris. But I was so focused on becoming a musician. And I remember the speaker was a musician from Australia. And I'd heard the gospel a couple of times, but nothing ever really made sense. But this was hitting me here. And there was something about it. And I went up and I gave my life to Christ. And the thing was that my life was full of fear. And uh, I was fearful of death. I was fearful of other people, I hardly said boo to anybody. But I remember getting slain in the spirit. I had no idea what slain in the spirit was. Yeah. But I went down on the floor and it was like God's love washed over me over and over again. I got up off that floor a totally different person. I had I felt clean. I felt no fear and no fear of death particularly. And then I couldn't stop speaking about what God had done. And I think people wished I could. <laughs> but it was true. It was something happened in here yeah. that was so real that I couldn't explain, but it was just coming out. Yeah. It's awesome. What about guys that have been raised with scriptures? Mum and dad are Christians. And experiencing a new substance in you. Caused me to walk away being brought up as a traditional Christian, going to church, going to Sunday school, and you know, as I got to my teenage years, I got to that point of going, I need, I need to know, but not know. I just, yeah, and it caused me to, to walk away and do a whole bunch of reading, and you really just drift, trying different churches, trying, and um, yeah, I mean. One occasion, I was um, I was in command. I was standing in front of about 600, 600 soldiers, and we had the the Book of Remembrance in um, in the church, and it had the list of every fallen soldier in my court. And you know, most Sundays you'd stand up and you just read half a dozen in and 
and up here. And you know, we generally give it to one of the junior soldiers, just a little bit of responsibility to read. It came to, came to my turn. And my padre, who was ex Rhodesian Special Forces, that's it. <laughs> um, he invited me, the commanding officer, to, to read. And as I turned the page over, the six names were the names of the last six soldiers and officers to, to have been killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I stood at, at the end of it. And the, the, the word that came out of my mouth was, and this is where the metal meets the meat. And at that point, things changed. Things shifted completely because there's a realization that actually, do you know what, it's okay. And in India, that story you told earlier, on numerous occasions, and I knew I was always okay. But that moment, standing in front of all the troops, that was the moment that I went, yeah, everything's all right, everything's okay. Not logical, right? Mm. It's not a logical equation. This is not logical. Mm. I say to you, like, it's, it's interesting, like, um, I like what you're saying, like, can't put God in a box. Because, um, like, for me, I would say, I'm sitting here trying to think, do I have a moment like can't say I can point to a moment. Yep. Um, but I think, um, like I mean, said before, I grew up in a household that was, for want of a better term, spirit-led. Uh, in a church that was spirit-led. Um, wasn't what I would call religious, but spirit-led. And, and as I'm not saying, therefore, I was a spirit-led child. Mm -hmm. well. yep. um, and like I said, I don't think it makes it any different. I think it was just an environment that was conducive. But I think I don't think that, like I was trying to think, well, when did I say that the Spirit was with me? I said, well, I would say, I don't actually know. I think maybe the Spirit was always there with me. I, I think I can point to a time where I submitted to the Spirit that was with him. I don't think I, I don't think the Spirit came in. I think it was a matter of my will that changed, not a matter of the Spirit entering. So it comes down to my will more than, you know what I mean? And maybe we're talking about the same thing because I think, well, ultimately, what you submitted to God, I mean, like I was in, I think, well, how do you not be touched by God's care and love and grace? But I also think, well, I feel touched by God's care, love, and grace for me in the same way because I'm not think that I'm different from mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's the submission of my will that changed everything. And that I know. There's been specific times in my life where I decided not. The Spirit's within me, but what I haven't done is let the Spirit have free reign. That's what I think I have. And now I did that in, a, in an environment where that was Spirit-led. You know, that's the, that's the power of the human will. That, that, yeah, I can resist God even when I'm standing in His presence. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And they were doing that, right? And, the, and this, is, this is why we get to this part here. Because we have a soul which really is the governing system of our being. Like this to me is the control center because saved here, then this wants to go in here. And the spirit wants to what? Crucify the will. The spirit wants to renew the mind and the spirit wants to define the emotions. Nothing wrong with emotions, right? They're just feelings. 
It's how you handle the emotion. So the spirit then wants to flow into the body. So out of your body does not come you anymore. It's him, but it's in you. Right? Christ in me, the hope of glory. People need to see Christ. So who is the vessel that God has chosen for Christ to be manifested into the earth? The manifold wisdom of God is to come through who? And the manifold wisdom, who is the wisdom of God? This is the responsibility, right? So whether it's Paul, whether it's that, the question is, is it happening in your life? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are the being attitudes being formed within you? That's the question, right? But you need to know because it is a mystery. Right? This entire thing is a mystery. Isn't that what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about? The spirit comes like a wind. Who can tell where it comes from, but it has an impact? Just like the natural wind. Who can tell me where the wind comes from? Ah, oh, it's coming maybe from the northeast or whatever, whatever. But you can feel the impact of it, right? It changes direction. So you can feel the impact. That, and you know it's windy if you live in Wellington. And if you land in the plane, I'm not sure if you landed here in Wellington, right? It was a windy day. But you know the wind, but you don't know where it's coming from. But you can know this reality and you need to know the reality because the spirit wants to move through your entire being. But without being born of the spirit, we're never going to enter the life of the spirit. The thing is, I've been wrestling with this reality, but the scripture says, is it possible to believe and be baptized in water, but not yet know the spirit? So that means it's fully possible to hear John's message, receive the message of John, which is repentance for iniquity and sin, but still not be yet born of the Spirit. So just because you're justified doesn't mean you know this yet. And that's actually scriptural. Right? Because there are men in Acts and they went, have you been, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? And they went, what are you talking about? They said, well, what baptism did you receive? They said, oh, we received the baptism of John, which is the baptism of water of repentance for iniquity and sin. They said, what are you talking about, the Holy Spirit? Oh, come here and let me lay hands on you so you can receive the Holy Spirit. I believe there is. And that's why I want to look at the power tomorrow. But it's almost like, once again, right? God's outside of the box. <clears throat> so for me, I received the spirit and the power and the spirit all in one hit. Right? But here they, it says he came back, he said, receive the spirit. Then he said, go into the upper room and wait because there's power to come on high. <clears throat> so you see the two, right? So it's not about, is it that way or that way? Both options are on the table. It's just, has it happened? Because until it happens, don't leave Jerusalem. And what happens predominantly is, come and give your life to Jesus. Now get out there and go reach the world. But Jesus goes, don't leave until you've received the promise of power on on high. And he came back full of power. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and power before he started any ministry. Do you know that? Yep. Now there's a clue if you want to be Christ-like. 
If you're trying to win the world and do all your ministry and you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, you might want to stop and reconsider. Because it's not you trying to come up with the energy to not do you. You get trumped by a power in you that's fueling you and you have all this passion to do the things that you don't have a passion for. And no longer should or ought to pray, it's I get to pray. No longer ought or should to give, I get to give. No longer ought or should to read, I can't be stopped from being consumed in it, right? When everyone else is asleep, you're up because the power in you, the spirit in you, makes you hungry and thirsty for who? And it's not a right or a wrong, it's not a good or a bad, it's like, I want the fullness of life for you guys. This is what he's saying, and it's happening here because this became a transactional transition point from the Holy Spirit being with them to the Holy Spirit now being in them and living their entire lives from having the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, which then flow out of them so they were able to live out of their body the living truth. See, this is rest. This is what it actually means to live from rest where you're not doing any of it, but it's doing in you and through you. It becomes an absolute joy to work and do everything unto the Lord, right? Everything you do, do unto the... Everything. So in your workplace, who are you serving? Do everything you do unto the Lord. What happens when someone crosses you in the workplace? Do everything you do unto the Lord. It's a whole different standard now, right? Do you think you can do that without the Spirit and the power of the Spirit? So my experience, right? And it's not about, it's just testifying. It's all we're doing. We're not saying this is right, this is wrong. It's just this is what God's up to. And go after the whole deal. And then let God do what he wants to do. And that may mean waiting. So you can't come with this list and going, well, you need to do this within a week because I'm a busy, busy time schedule and I'm out of here next week. See, God doesn't really respond to that. You might get on his good day, right? But he said, go and wait. But there was a work that had been done in them before that, right? There was a work of brokenness that had happened within them then to prepare them for the outpouring of the Spirit. You can't build on a dodgy foundation. He has to remove the foundation, right? He's not going to put him on top of you and you still be the foundation. He's going to come in and knock you out so then he can become your foundation. And it's not something you agree to mentally. It's something that happens within you and you're like, yes and amen. I've now been rerouted into love and I was in lust. Every thought I have was selfish, self-centered and about me. And now every thought I'm having is about him and some other people. Whew, what happened? Something happened. And it was beyond my comprehension. Because how high, how wide, how deep is this love of God that goes beyond comprehension, but that's now within me? How does that work, Damien? Do you know how it works? Because it happened. I don't have understanding, but I have the reality. And I'm hoping the understanding comes... Because it's a living example of the work he's doing in the church because he's building the church. 
Then what happens when he starts to define your mind? No more stinking thinking. Right? No more thinking you're rejected. No more struggling from rejection when people tell you, I don't like you or reject you. If God has accepted you, why are you worried about man rejecting you? I'd be worried about God rejecting me. You see, you get healed in the mind and you no longer have stinking thinking. You're no longer wanting this guy's gift. You're no longer coveting what he has or who he is or his looks or his whatever he has, right? It's like, why are you coveting what Danny has? Stinking thinking. Why are you jealous about that or the stinking thinking? Why are you stinking thinking, right? Which then starts to shape the emotions because if I don't get what I want, now my emotions are now I'm getting hard-hearted and bitter and all that. It's all the fruit of not being on the process of transformation. Because you're still feeding you out of stuff you can't live on and become eternal. So you nurture the earthly man and feed him, he will grow. Although in Revelation he's been crucified by Christ, right? that needs to be revelation, that needs to be a divine impartation to release you from your flesh, you can still feed your flesh. So if you feed your flesh, nurture the flesh, the flesh will grow. You're justified in the spirit, but in your flesh, how does it say you kill the flesh? Through the Romans 8, 13, 14. It's all there. So you need to have the spirit to kill the hold of you, because although your spirit's willing, your flesh is... Where did he say that? In the garden. Do you know Gethsemane means oil press, right? Jesus led them to the place of crushing. So olives get crushed. There was all these olive trees and the olive gets crushed. Now when the olive gets crushed, what comes out of the olive? So as you get crushed, I'm going to infuse spirit and breathe a brand new spirit into you and you're going to now live. But you're not perfect and your mind still needs to be renewed. I believe through testimony, right? The power of God takes out your will. That's what happened to me. So when the power of God came into my life in 1997, it took out me trying to be the controller of me. It doesn't mean I'm not tempted by things I might look at, right? I'm not saying that, right? I've still got to take that thought captive, renew my mind. There's still a struggle in areas of my life. But what I no longer struggle with is trying to control me. I'm surrendered. I sacrifice my life because I received a love that enabled true lordship, which is not obedience. It's a sort of being. And out of being, you obey. Because you can obey and not be in lordship, right? You can do things and not want to do it. But you do it anyway because you're supposed to and should. Given the opportunity, you never do it if he's not telling you to do it, right? You'll do your thing. So lordship is a state of being through receiving love.
I'm testifying of my own reality. I received love, I came instantly into lordship and I no longer want to do my own thing. Because I tried doing my own thing for 29 years and it failed me, right? I had a reference for my thing don't work. So I got to the night of the soul, the darkness of the soul. Sal had a noose. That's pretty serious. And in the moment, someone turns up. Because someone has a plan and a purpose bigger than this guy for his guy, right? But it's not as a lone ranger on his own in Kaitai doing his own thing. It's to be part of a body. God turned up 97. God turns up all the time. And says, let me do something you can't do. Let me free you from your free will that is actually demonic. And let's get that nailed once and for all. Because Paul said, I'm controlled by love. So if I'm not controlled by love, what am I controlled by? Lust, which is self. That's why we struggle all the time. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? This is the hardest thing to try and articulate and be heard on. Because what we're doing is we're actually all having a reference for our own reality and trying to fit that in our head. I might be taking you outside of your mind. People can say, Greg, you're outside of your mind. I say, no, I'm just outside of yours. And I have the power to offend people, right? Because you haven't had that reality and you're trying to base your reality based on words, not experience. Put the book away. Now talk to me. Put the book away and testify about the transformation of your life. Go. You've got five minutes. Go. I don't want to know scriptures. I don't want to know technical things. I don't want to know missional things. I want to hear testimony of life transformation for where you were to where you are now and how free you've become. Yeah. Go. Yeah. And every time you start talking tech to me about I'm going to go, eh. Eh, wrong, eh, wrong, because you know what we do? We give technical answers because we know how to answer, but we're not in life. What's the answers? Oh, I know the answer because I read the pages. You're not far from the kingdom, Greg, but you're not yet there because you've got to enter into the life of the reality, not sit there and build a tent around the answer. See, anybody, a non-Christian can read the book and know all the answers, correct? Many non-Christians know the Bible really, really well, more than you and I do. That's why they can debate you over scripture and beat you up with your own thing because you don't know like the demonic did. You know, it's written in here. Is it written? Oh my goodness, really? And then he speaks to you out of context, right? But it's written. He shows you where it's written, but he's only got one side. He knows he's only got one side. And he knows you don't have a clue. So now you're going, well, it's in the Bible, so it must be true. And he's speaking out of context and he's only speaking one side because you don't know what's written. But intelligence and intellectual knowledge is not enough. You've got to know beyond that. You've got to be in the life of this, which is a person. Jesus preached, Paul preached himself. Jesus said, let me talk to you, men on the road to Emmaus. And he preached himself from the scriptures. And Paul preached Jesus, not the scriptures. Who do you, what do you preach? Do you preach about a dude that died on a cross or do you preach him? Do you talk about the gospel? The gospel is about a man called Jesus Christ who came and died for your sin 2,000 years ago. Do you believe? Is that true? Right. Is it? Let me share what the man on the cross did in me. Let me preach the reality of what the man did in me. Because when I received this, I received the person, not the words about what the person did. Let me testify. The world is waiting for Christians who actually know Christ. 
not Christians who can tell them about a dude who died on a cross that they have no reference for. I was, guys, I was not interested in your message. I didn't give a toss about your message. You could have said, Greg, you're going to hell. I don't care. I don't even believe in hell. Why are you talking about something? I don't have a reference for you. So be quiet. But what I needed was some people to come and say, let me testify about a changed life. Let me tell you about, I was almost about to take my life. I was in the death of despair and someone came in, light came in and took me out of that. I'm going, you've got my attention. Because I'm looking for that. I don't need a book. I don't need a service. I need a prayer meeting. I need changing. I need transforming. I need the Holy Spirit, right? But we think we'll tell them all in person. We don't even know ourselves. Can you hear the heart of love? I'm not trying to be hot. I'm trying to make this real. This has got to be real. Reality. It's not about what he did. It's about what he's doing in you. Awesome. But I want this. Paul received this guy, not just words about this and go, well, I'm just now saved. But I've got no idea about the Holy Spirit. Is there a Holy Spirit? And there's a pat. What? what? So come here. Let me take this and lay hands on you and make it real. Let me take it from theory and make it reality. And then live. Live. All I wanted to do for 20 is live. Sorry. Well, that was good. I caught it. It's like cricket, it was on the slips, right? Safe hand Simnel, they call me. <laughs> and I was a goalkeeper. You either know the gospel of the Spirit and power, or you don't. You'll know. In that day, you'll know. It's absolute. You know, the absolutes scare us, right? Because you read an absolute and you're like, Oh, um, am I in the absolute, but I know God loves me. Here's the problem. You need to know he loves you because when he shows up in absolutes, if you don't really know he loves you, you're going to have to make it up. Because the fear in you starts to manifest, right? I've seen Christians literally manifest anger and fear when you preach like this because the words come in because they've made up, they've got a vain imagination of the truth. God loves them, but they don't know love. So they're scrambling. In you, the imposter is scrambling because he knows he's about to get nailed, right? And there's only one response and it's called repentance. But I've seen justification. I've seen deny. I've seen rejection. I've seen deflection. I've seen walking away. I've seen attack. I've experienced it all. I've had the body come at me and try and take me out. Wrote your four-page letter about me that my character, I was a used car salesman. I've seen the fear in God's people manifest in a number of different ways from get the hell out of there, call it God, instead of actually fall on your knees and receive the sword that's going to crucify your heart through the Spirit and bring you into what it really means to be a Jew. I thought Jews were those dudes born in Israel. Well, this tells me a Jew of the Spirit, of the circumstances of the heart, right. Romans 2, 28-29, is a true Jew. Yep. Oh, what's that all about? We who serve God by His... So much stuff, guys, we've taught without the Holy Spirit. And so we've created this belief system 
And we have to fight because, you know, I hear all the time, you believe what you believe and I'll believe what I believe and we'll agree to disagree. So we keep this fake harmony called unity. Yeah. Instead of going like this, right? I'm about oneness. I'm not about right or wrong. But I will share with you what I believe is. And I want you to do the same thing because the love between us is greater than right and wrong. And I want to walk with you so we can discover what really is truth because the truth will make us free. Now I'm going to bring my peace and you bring your peace, but it's not about right or wrong, it's about oneness. But you can't have that unless you have love because the right and wrong will divide you. And the right and wrong has divided the church for way too long. But you need love to be able to walk true unity out because if you don't have love, you have lust and you're going to make it about right or wrong. Good and evil, not life and death. This is the greatest challenge, right? Jesus said, I pray you be one, but we are more known for what? So the fruit is division, but the prayer was oneness. Something's wrong. Well, it's not me. Because I'm Mr. Right. Anybody, anybody believed you've been right, I need to show you are really wrong. Nobody? Bunch of liars. <laughs> I have. I'm convinced this is right. Oh, really? Let me show you how wrong it is. But let me show you how I've been covering you while you've been thinking you were right and then leading other people into that. I'm so fortunate love has covered a multitude of sin, right? Because I've sinned a lot and still do. But love covers, it doesn't disqualify me, but I'm not trying to sin. We inherently think we're right, guys. Come on. You always think, and I always think you're always right and everyone else is wrong. Isn't that the pattern? Are you any different from the Israelites? Yeah, yeah, I'm the church. Okay, so you don't have a heart and you don't have flesh, but because you were not born there, you think you're different. We're the Pentecostals. <laughs> what does that even mean? Good on you, I'm a scouser. <laughs> like we give ourselves all this crap because we're not here. It's the evidence of not walking in this guy because you can't find it here. So if you can't find it here and you find it there, you might want to get your reference from here. Why don't we just say we're all disciples of Jesus Christ? Why is the first question I, I get asked, how many in your church, it's not even my church and I don't know and I don't really care. Man, I'm just enough, I'm enough of an issue on my own, never mind anybody else. Oh, are you the senior leader? Nah. Pastor Greg? Nah. Just call me Greg, man. That's what my mother called me. I understand the authority thing, but the title doesn't make the man or the woman, right? And I'm not a pastor. Even that whole system, because we're not here. Pastors are giftings. They're not titles, guys. Here's the title, Apostle. Here's a title, Pastor. No, here's a gift. And the gift is used for function, but you're not better than anybody else. You just have a grace gift for a function that I want to define. 
And if you're in the Spirit, you'll let me define my gift and then I'll build the house through you. But while you're building it your way because you've got a gift and it's irrevocable and you're doing your will because your will hasn't been killed and surrendered, then I've got this imitation thing being built that a whole lot of people turn up to thinking that's what it means to go to church even though we are the church, but the language still says we go to church even though we are the church. How do you go to yourself? That's a weird concept. I'm going to get married in the church. Well, I wasn't there. <laughs> Why don't you invite me, you bugger? Into the party. I would have come, I would have married you as well. So we need to know whether we've got the Spirit. And you can know. Whether it's like this or like Paul, you know because you'll have a hunger and thirst for the Spirit. The Spirit creates a hunger and thirst for itself because it is what it is, right? If it's of its kind, it's of its kind. It's not separated. So there were men that received the message of John that didn't have the Spirit. Do you know your heart can still be wicked and full of bitterness and bondage if you don't have the Spirit? Who was that? Why is he there? No, but yes. Simon. Simon the sorcerer. He believed in Jesus. He got baptized in water. And the man who was rebuked by Jesus rebuked Simon. That's funny, eh? So Simon, now called Peter, <laughs> who was rebuked by the Lord for having a bitterness of heart because he denied him, is now the man God uses to rebuke the man who was, and he's looking at himself. He says, your heart is not right before God, but the man just believed and got baptized in water. How does that work? Because you can go through water baptism and you can go through the process and have your heart not touched. Because we're talking about a spiritual process, not a physical process. You know, baptism, right, is a full immersion in water, right? Your body goes into the water fully immersed. What is the other way around when you get baptized in the spirit? Water baptism. Your, water, your body goes into the water and the fully water, your body is fully immersed in the water. That's a baptism of water. What is a baptism of fire and power? Inside out. It's where you now get filled with fire and power. It's the opposite. That comes now in you. The word means baptizo, full immersion. You are fully immersed in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit in you. You know when that's happened because it wasn't there before. Jesus said, I come to baptize with fire, with, with the Holy Spirit and fire takes everything out of its way, doesn't it? In the natural. So you don't burn out, you burn up. I feel, I can feel the fire right now. When I get going, that's why I can't stop, right? <laughs> like last night, I'm going to stop. Here I am half an hour later. I'm going to stop. Here I am half an hour later. The fire burns. When I speak like this and I eat the word, the fire burns. Burns. I've come to baptize you with fire. Fire. I'm the all-consuming fire. I'm the fire. When I throw you into the fire, I throw you into the fire to awaken you up. Not to destroy you. To wake you up because you've been disconnected from the branch. But I called you for more than that. So let me put you in a fire. I counsel you to buy from me refined in the 
So I'm going to put you in a fire. If you are dead, if you are burning out, if you are cold, guess what I'm going to do as a loving father? Let's go for a walk. (laughs) You need to be put in a fire to waken you up. Woo, that was hot. That's right. Time to wake up, guys. Might be Christians, but we're not Christ-like. So let's get to know, and let's get to know the power of the Spirit which they needed to and Jesus needed because Jesus came full of faith, full of full guys. Not half tank, quarter tank, full. You see, this is the kingdom promise, full and overflowing. Why would you want to be full and overflowing? Give it away. Do you have fruit that people want to come and pluck? For free? Were you trying to sell your fruit? Like, do you go to the well or have you become a wellspring? That you never have to go to the well because you've become a wellspring. Because the woven water's in you. So come all who are thirsty. That's me. Now come. Come to the well. I'm here. Then become a well. So you're never having to go to the well again. You are the well. But you're not the well. The one in you is the water. But you're the one that holds the water because you're the well. But don't think it's you. It's Christ in you who's living water. Do you get clean before you get in the shower? Or you just get in the shower and let the water wash you and make you clean? Here's a thought, right? What are you doing? Oh, I'm having a wash. What are you going to do? Then I'm going to get in the shower. That's what we do in the spirit. I've got to get myself cleaned up. I've got to get all perfected. I've got to get all the ducks in a line before I actually come and ask for the power. (laughs) And this is what messes us up, right? Because we're so used to us being in control because our will still lives and our will defines our mind. And our mind defines our emotions. So out of our body comes us. Like if you're crushed, what's coming out? Don't you love that song, New Wine? It's just a song or it can be a living reality. So that's the thing, right? If you're crushed, who comes out? Well, Paul said, I'm perplexed, I'm crushed, I'm all these things. But it's nothing compared to the life that comes that I'm in and the life that comes out of me because he says I'm not living for the temporal I'm living for the eternal he says I'm seeing the unseen things and the unseen things when they're eaten and received what's in me is greater than what's around me so put me through another fire go on put me through there and you'll only enhance the maturity and the growing because you can't stop it right you can't stop love not real love because it's bigger the Romans couldn't stop it. They tried to kill him and they couldn't stop it. How do you stop this? We kill them and it keeps growing. <laughs> That's right. Like all we know how to do is kill people and we kill them and it's things still spreading. Because <laughs> love never fails to love. Because love is greater than the earth. And if that love gets in you, you're going to be trumped. Give me an example of this, Greg. Okay. You know the carts and the cows and the, the going of the ark? Right? Why did they send the ark away? 
they're out in boils, right? The wrong guy's got the boils, the bad guy's got the boils. Now what, this, what you're seeing in this process is you have two milch cows, right, which are very expensive cows. Cows that have never been yoked together, but they yoke them together. They've just given birth, right, so they're mothers. Ever tried to take a baby off a mother? Not a good idea. Then attached to the cows is what? The cart. And what's in the cart? The ark. And what's in the ark? The presence of God which sits on two tablets of stone. They're not just two tablets. The presence, the word of God sits on two tablets, right? Where are those two tablets now? So where is the word to be written? On a heart. So here's the analogy. Two milch cows, expensive cows, never been yoked together, just given birth to chill children. The presence of God is not touching the cows. The presence of God is in a box, but the presence of God is so strong that it dictates and determines and overtakes the flesh. And the cows walk straight to where they're supposed to go, governed by the presence. When the presence gets on your heart and written on your heart and all of a sudden you're no longer the controller of you, you're no longer looking for your mind and you're no longer living from your emotions, guess what your body does? Your body comes in alignment to the spirit and you're able to trump the flesh because the spirit's greater than the flesh and you're able to live out something and God's giving you that beautiful analogy to see how powerful it is when the presence of God takes over the flesh. It trumps the natural and they're all in an alignment and they're mothers that have just given birth. You need to know the presence of God, don't you? Not outside of you, in you. You can know the presence of God outside of you and it's awesome and I love it, but it's nothing like the presence of God within you. And then the presence of God growing in you. And just out of you flow. So then if I squeeze you, fruit! How much do you want? Well, give me more of that love. Give me more joy. Joy is not a feeling, right? Happiness is a feeling. Joy is the fruit of the... Can't have joy unless you know the Spirit. But you can be happy. But if I smack you right now, you're not going to be happy, right? But if you have joy, you can be. For the joy set before him, he went the... Peace is not... Hey. Happy, brother. Shalom. You're in turmoil. Peace is a person. See how we'll come back to the same dude all over again. Boom, boom, boom. But we've made it about boom, 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 boom. And God just says, can we just make the main thing the main thing and let's get back to knowing the person through the revelation of the Spirit so God, who's the builder of the church, can build his life within you. So out of you comes Jesus Christ. And you'll wonder how it all happens and you won't really know, but you will know and you'll be trying to figure it out, but it's a reality and you'll be like, oh, can I have more of this, please? And everyone that's trying, you will have compassion for and love for and you will pray for and you will go to if he leads and you will share what you know and then pray for and pray for and hope they All the trying, all the self-effort, all the main, main theology that we make up as God because we're not in the reality of what God said we can know because we're trying in our own strength, not the power of God, which raised him from the grave, which has raised me from death to life. Paul said, I carry around the death and the life of Jesus Christ, so out of my body comes the manifestation of Jesus Christ, right? So it's not about 
physically being crucified. It's about spiritually being crucified and spiritually being raised up again through the power of the gospel. It sets you free from you and you start living a brand new life in Christ. Not an old life modified, brand new creation. So do you know who you really are or are you trying to modify who you're not and make him who you're not? You still like me? We're well, not sure, right? No, not really, but I do care if I alienate you because I want to navigate this without alienating, withdrawing you, but I need to be real and truthful because that's what I need to be and you need me to be to the measure I know. The modification part doesn't work, so you do a good job. Thanks, brother. Because if you try it, right? If you try it, you realise it doesn't work. How long do I want to try this? And because it's outside of our ability, I don't know if I like this message. That's what God said to me years ago. He says, the flesh doesn't like what it can't lay hold of. Because you and I have an insatiable need to do. Right? You and I have an insatiable need to do because that's why we find what? Our identity. Our value. Our purpose. Our sense of accomplishment and meaning as men. Do you know that's demonic? Because you should be finding all that through who you are in Christ. Identity. You give a slave giftings and make them a king, says the world cannot stand. Because out of lust, they're going to lead. We've got enough of that in the world, right? We don't need it in the church. We're supposed to be the opposite. So everything we do and everything we live should always flow out of who we are, not what we do. Just like your relationship with Christ. Have you come to Christ for what he can do or have you come to Christ for who he is? Now, if you come for what he can do, that's okay. He'll love you like that, receive it. But he wants to do a work in you so you actually realize that's not the way it should come because he's a Father Christmas God. And what happens when he doesn't do what I think he should do? I get angry and upset and there's a risk of disillusionment and bitterness. And I might even walk away from him because he's not doing what I thought he should do because I bought into a prosperity gospel, not the real gospel. But if you come to God for who he is, love, then whether good things or bad things happen, it doesn't matter because God's not shaped in your mind through good or bad stuff. He's just God and he's always good because I've come to him for who he is, not what he does. Can you hear the difference? One will always have you on a trajectory of failing and falling. One will just have you go, well, you're good, so I believe you're good no matter what's happening to me. And what's my definition of good? It's not necessarily your definition of good. So what could be God? I don't want to confuse. So if God puts me in a fire, I'm going to stay in the fire. I'm going to embrace the fire and see the fire as a gift. That's a whole different way of thinking, isn't it, guys? You will never know and can never learn things he wants to show you without you go through stuff. So if you really want what you're hearing about, you're going to have to go through what you don't want to go through. But I tell you, the life is on the other side as you go through, not around. And the problem is many are trying to go around the pen, not through the door. And that's exactly what he's telling them in the garden. Boys, you better be praying and you better be aware of what I'm doing right now because when your day turns up, you're going to be tempted to run from going through to try to go around. 
which is exactly what Peter did, right? He said he could, and then he failed. Aren't you forever grateful that love was covering that? I'm forever grateful love has covered my failings, but love covers the failings, not that I would continue to fail. Love covers the failings so I can learn, and then by faith start to move forward. So it must be from identity. It must be from the knowing of Jesus. Because if you can't do anything in your life ever again, because you have an accident or something happens and you can't do, are you going to be okay with that? Because you're a beer, not a doer. You see, men get their source of life from what they do. If your source is removed, how do you live? Now it's panic stations because my source is connected to what I do, not who I am. That's why he must become the source of your life because if you can never do again and he goes, stop doing what you're doing. Lord, I can't because my identity, my purpose, my value, my, who I am as an individual is all tied up with what I do. He goes, I know, and that's a problem. And it's a massive problem because that's not where I live from and you can never become Christ-like if you stay like that. But I'm here to fix the problem. Do you want to get fixed? I'm not sure. What's it going to cost? Everything. How long is it going to take? I don't know. It depends on how willing you're to surrender now. If you fight with me, we could be here all day. But if you bow your knee, come humbly before the throne, you believe it can happen like that? And then you're on a journey? So you're always on a journey, right? The goal is not whether it happened like that or not, but you're on the journey. What I mean is, are you living, breathing, eating and becoming a Christ-like man? Because the Spirit and the power of the Spirit is going to work and you become a true worshipper who knows what it is to worship in Spirit and Truth. And God is Spirit, so we must know what it is to worship in Spirit and Truth because that's God's instruction. And it ain't singing songs. So if worship, biblically, is the offering of your life and you haven't completely let go of your life how can you worship in spirit and truth but you know what you can do you keep bringing your offerings before him and he's going i don't want your offerings i don't want your sacrifices i want your genuine worship i want you to lay down on the table the problem with living sacrifices is what they keep hopping off the table what happened on the altar to the animal? Once. Yeah, the animal didn't get on and off, right? Slip me throat and then, oh, by the way, you need to slip me throat. And by the way, you need to slip me throat. <laughs> Let's cut off that oxygen, which is earthly. Now let me breathe into you oxygen, which is eternal. Now live. Because you're a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto the Lord. Shall I say that again? You're a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to the Lord. Why? Because now you're living for who? So as a living sacrifice, are you living for him? Or are you still living for you? 
can we just maybe just stand and um, maybe just put your hand on the person beside your shoulder. I'll, um, I'm just going to pray, but if you feel led to pray, please pray, right? So full license to release whatever it is, the Spirit. Father, we're here tonight, and Lord, we need your Spirit. We need the power of your Spirit. We need to know what this is to be born of the Spirit. We acknowledge tonight our absolute dependency on you to do what we can't do. And so we bring ourselves before the throne of grace. Lord, we bring our heart and our mind before you tonight and trust in you and what you say and want to allow you to define all things. So Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you, we honour you and take your rightful place to do what you've been commissioned to do, however you want to do it. We are a living sacrifice that is here tonight, giving you full permission to fill us with your spirit, to fill us with your power, to release us from us if that's what's needed, to continue to fill us to a full and over-measuring flowing measure if that's what's needed. Father, if there are things that we've heard tonight that we go, that's what I desire, I pray, God, that we would seek and search with all we are and be like the man who turned up at midnight demanding food and be like the woman who went before the judge demanding protection, making an absolute nuisance of ourselves for your sake until we are given what you say we can have, but not based on greed, but based through grace. So, Father, tonight we stand here as brothers in arms. We stand as one. We stand as sons. And we stand together. And I ask you right now, Father, through the condition of our heart and the desperation of our heart, which you see, that you would baptise afresh us tonight. Maybe for the first time, second time, 20th time, 50th time. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with more power. Fill me with more life. Fill me with more vision. Fill me with more of your living word. To live in accordance to the Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name for myself and for everyone else that would say yes and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
husbands love your wives just for Christ love the church gave himself for her and washed her with the word and we yours be your wife to your bride that you wash her with your word yeah. and tonight it was like the word was released on yeah. to wash over us yeah. and wash through us yeah. and wash in us cleanse us from all unrighteousness fill us with understanding of true knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ that we may know Oh, I know there's so many of us in this room that all in a different place of understanding you. And it's okay. Yeah. That you take that and you wash us and cleanse us and fill us up and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, that you teach us. Lord, we learn from you. Holy Spirit, that we can rest in the word that's washed over and in and through us tonight. Mm -hmm. And we would know you. Thank Creativity knows no bounds, Father. And um, uh, Lord, I pray tonight, Father, that um, as we rest in you, Father, that we would not restrict you by our thinking, Father, as to how you may deal with us. Your creativity knows no bounds, Father. And um, we heard testimony tonight, Father, as to how you've reached people, Lord, mm. from Chris, Father, from Greg, and just that, and you treat us all individually. Mm. And Father, we just surrender ourselves, Father, to you and to your will being done in our lives, and so the way you choose to deal with us, Father, as individuals. Mm. Lord, and um, Father, we uh, don't shackle you by our thinking, Father, by um, how by putting you in a box, by deciding how you may well work within each of us. Father, and um, Lord, with that, Father, we step into the freedom, and Lord, we give you all freedom, Father, to work in our, in our soul realm, to work in our spirit, to work in us, Father. Lord, the way you choose, the way you choose. And I thank you, Father, that each of us can walk in the freedom of that, Father. Lord, knowing that you, your creative, creativity knows no bounds. And may we rest in that, Father. Yes, Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Yes.
and lay them down each day. Mm. They are like we, we can know the truth of you, but to live in that truth, Jesus, is, is our continuing choice to do that to you, Jesus. And your glory is seen through that. It's through our is through our response as your body, Jesus. And I just thank you that you give us like give me personally and give each one of us the opportunity just to love you through your spirit in the same way that you love us, Jesus. And you know, I just thank you for that privilege and for that the life that you give each one of us just to glorify you. Thank you. Just as Simeon held the baby Jesus, he cried out and said, My eyes have seen a man filled with the Holy Spirit, was able to see what others couldn't. And we pray that you continue to open the eyes of our heart. Holy Spirit, it is you that opens them, that we may see that what we have not seen before. Yes. And I pray for every person here yes. that they would come into a new reality yes, God. that is not of themselves or from their own effort. Yes. But Lord, that we'd all cry, my eyes have seen. Thank you. And just to be able to have your Holy Spirit enable us to do that for you of all things, just to lay our lives down and yeah. everything in it and all, everything that we call importance, our possessions, or family, and just know that you're a Father. Mm. Through the Holy Spirit, we mm. can say, lead us. And thank you so much for just opening that door so we can be with you. We can be here together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing bunch of men that have a heart for you, that are seeking you. Thank you that we went to the journey together as brothers. We're on this journey, Lord, to know your reality, Father. And I just thank you, Father, for what you're doing amongst us. Help us to see the value of, like in the parable, it talks about the value of the field and it goes and buys the whole field. Let us be those men that will see the value amongst what's being declared over. Uh, through each and every one of us from the pulpit and from the word yeah. and they would see value in it and buy the whole field yes. and just uh, keep continue to walk forward the word says them. Lord in Psalms in Psalms 84 blessed is the man whose heart is set on the journey yeah. we set our hearts on the journey Lord, yes, Lord. seeking more of you thank you Lord.
you stamp us with your approval. I thank you, Father, you stamp us with your identity. Father, I thank you that there is no changing in you. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, you are the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, you are all. We need not fear. We need not worry. For what you have spoken and written will come to pass. Lord, you give us eyes to be able to see the unseen. Abraham did not know where he was going, but on your command left the land he knew. By faith, we understand that you, by your word, the worlds were made. How can we worry when we have a father who is in control of everything? Everything was made in you, by you, through you, for you. Mm. All things are held together in you. Thank you, Father. Lord, thank you. You do not treat us as our sins deserve, nor according to our iniquity, but according to who you are, love, that you are faithful when we are faithless. Yes. Thank you for just just making it clear to me that I can't even take credit for my desire to love you. And it's you that place that in my heart. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you you've also shown me that I can't even love you the way I desire. And I love the just the way you you draw me into dependence on you, God. Just to, to know you above everything. God. Yes. Not to not to feel that there's anything good that, that I've got to offer you, God, but to know that the only good 
blessed to you, God, in a way that appeals to our hearts.